Transforming care through genomic medicine, personalized therapeutics, health services and outcomes research, and innovations in healthcare delivery. We're Children's Mercy Kansas City, presenting our audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. Welcome to Transformational Pediatrics. I'm Dr. Michael Smith, and our topic is preventative cardiology. My guest is Dr. Geetha Raguvir. Dr. Raguvir is a pediatric cardiologist at Children's Mercy Kansas City and a professor of pediatrics at the University of Missouri Kansas City School of Medicine. Dr. Raguvir, welcome to the show. Thank you. So tell me about the typical uh, type of patient that is referred to the preventative cardiology clinic. Yeah, sure. Um, so we, we uh, take care of children uh, up until 18 years of age, and a typical patient would be uh, maybe 11-year-old who's had uh, uh, cholesterol testing done as part of a well-child checkup or a family history of someone having had a heart attack at a young age and as a result has had cholesterol uh, testing done, and uh, uh, they're found to have a high uh, LDL, which is the bad cholesterol level, or sometimes a high LDL and also a high triglyceride, which is a measure of your blood fat. So, uh, you know, a lot of the times I see kids who have not just one elevation in their blood levels, but, you know, maybe two or three abnormalities. So that's the typical population now, you know, a lot of them are overweight and uh, have other risk factors, such as uh, being exposed to tobacco smoke, which is not good for your heart, or right. hypertension, which is not good for your heart either. Or they may have early signs of diabetes, which is a rising uh, uh, concern in this population. So um, a typical patient to answer your question comes with uh, uh, not just one problem, but you know maybe three to five uh, so-called risk factors which can uh, uh, promote early heart disease in this population. Right. So when you mentioned, uh, you know, if, if a child has a family history of somebody with, um, I'm assuming a first-degree relative who's had a premature cardiac event or premature cardiac death, what, what's the, what are we calling premature? What's the age range there for that sure, to be that, a positive history? That's a good history? question, yeah. It's typically uh, an adult uh, relative who is less than 45 years of age, um, especially if they're male, and, you know, somewhat of a later age, maybe less than 55 years if they're female. Uh, uh, that's what's uh, premature, uh, but, you know, a lot of the times in these kids who have extremely high um, LDL cholesterol level because of uh, genetics, they have uh, um, events in the family at an even younger age. Uh, it could be a 28-year-old dad who had a heart attack or uh, maybe a 40-year-old grandpa who's had a heart attack. So we do go into not just parental history because a lot of the times these parents could be quite young and not have clinical disease themselves, but some of them do already, but uh, we look into the grandparents also. How important, so when you do a typical workup with these patients, you know, you've mentioned a few lab um, values that you're going to be checking. How often do you do more of these um, advanced cholesterol tests where you're breaking down the LDL subtypes, the HDL mm -hmm. subtypes? Is that, do you do those kind of tests as well? No, I, I don't. Um, I know there is some utility to doing that, and some of my uh, 
uh, lipid uh, um, uh, specialist colleagues uh, in the adult world do that, and uh, I have not uh, initiated that testing. Um, it's important to remember that, you know, in kids, we want uh, what is called as primary or primordial prevention. We want to promote um, uh, good practices and uh, uh, looking into uh, these uh, type of details may help in uh, a particular kid, but generally, um, you know, a run-of-the-mill kid who comes in with uh, um, several risk factors and has um, uh, some behavioral issues that can be uh, uh, modified. The focus should be on uh, uh, modifying behavior and optimizing lifestyle. Uh, so to answer your question, I don't do them routinely. And so in, in your clinic, how many patients are you guys seeing every, every year? Um, I see about, uh, last year we saw about 325 patients. Uh, that is uh, inclusive of new patient visits and, uh, um, you know, repeat visits. Um, about uh, uh, 50% of the patients who come to my clinic have what we call a familial uh, hypercholesterolemia. That is, they have a, a genetically based elevation in their bad cholesterol, LDL cholesterol levels. Um, the other half are lifestyle-induced dyslipidemia, typically associated with uh, obesity. But I'm starting to see a very concerning trend. A lot of the familial patients are also obese, so it's a double whammy. They have uh, bad genetics, plus they also have acquired risk factors due to uh, bad lifestyle. Right, right. Well, so walk us through um, a typical workup, a typical office visit for one of your patients. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, you know, a lot of the times these referrals come from uh, pediatricians. Sometimes my endocrinology colleagues and uh, insulin resistance patients who have uh, extreme dyslipidemia. We do have entry criteria to come to our clinic in terms of what their LDL and triglyceride levels should be. And we usually test uh, the lipids twice just to be sure that, you know, we do have uh, persisting dyslipidemia. So they have two sets of labs. They come in and... Uh, uh, we, I, you know, I, I see them first obtain a history, a family history, uh, which is focused uh, to cardiovascular disease and uh, do an examination. We want to make sure that uh, um, there is uh, uh, no evidence of tendon xanthoma, which are nodules which, see, which we see on tendons, which is a marker of uh, uh, genetic uh, dyslipidemia, which is uh, rare, but we have seen them uh, and a few of our patients, we also want to look at uh, uh, the back of their necks uh, to see if they have uh, acanthosis, which is a marker of uh, insulin resistance and pre-diabetes. Uh, we want to see body fat distribution if they have abdominal adiposity, and that could be a sign of visceral adiposity, and that is uh, uh, particularly uh, uh, toxic for the cardiovascular uh, we look at their body mass index, and um, I review the labs with them and um, just factually what's what. Uh, I go through the process of atherosclerosis. We have models in our clinic, uh, uh, plastic model of atherosclerosis, which uh, uh, the kids seem to like and even the parents seem to understand better when I show them uh, the model and show them what happens when a healthy blood vessel um, is exposed to risk factors and over time how it can get uh, clogged. Uh, I go over bad cholesterol, good cholesterol, which is HDL, uh, the role of triglycerides. There's a misconception that 
eating fat makes you fat. And I kind of, you know, educate them at the association between uh, caloric, excess caloric intake and excess uh, starchy and sugary foods and its association with high triglycerides, obesity, and insulin resistance. Uh, we also look into the smoking history. I come from Kansas City, Missouri. We have, in this state, the highest prevalence of, um, you know, one of the highest prevalence of exposure to secondhand smoke. And we also, unfortunately, have low taxation on tobacco. So I'm not sure if we are associated, but could be. But, you know, we do see kids who are exposed to uh, tobacco smoke. So I go through not just the lipid, uh, but all the other risk factors, such as high blood pressure. Some of them could have that, insulin resistance. And uh, uh, we also look at vitamin D deficiency, which is um, associated with uh, um, uh, cardiovascular morbidity and, uh, um, you know, endocrine morbidity, such as diabetes. And a lot of our obese kids are also vitamin D deficient. And I um, correct them uh, pharmacologically if it's uh, extremely deficient and also advice on uh, our dietary practices, which can uh, help improve uh, vitamin D levels. So that's kind of the beginning. And then they see um, uh, a couple of our team members. One of them is a nutritionist who looks at their uh, dietary call and makes uh, customized recommendations um, to how they could improve their uh, uh, dietary habits. Uh, They're also evaluated by our exercise physiologist who looks at their activity um, uh, baseline and then makes recommendations uh, based on uh, what the family can do um, and what uh, the kid can do within a school setting and, um, you know, after hours based on where they live and uh, safety in the neighborhood, etc. So we kind of wrap up the visit at the end of all that, uh, giving right. them some uh, goals uh, which uh, are made in, uh, um, you know, in collaboration with the uh, child and the family and, uh, um you know, schedule them for a repeat visit. Uh, and we hope that uh, they keep some of these goals. And um, the main basis of this clinic is education, as you can understand. And uh, uh, we hope to educate the family. Um, the kids uh, themselves play a role, but, you know, they don't play a very uh, primary role when they're right. younger. So it's mainly the family that needs education. And I'm very particular about telling these families that... Uh, you know, we need to change as a family, and it's not going to work if, you know, just Johnny's made to do this versus the rest of the family, you know, not right. uh, doing the same thing. So tell us about the behavioral outcomes database and what you're doing with that. Well, we, uh, we do have uh, some uh, questionnaires we collect from the families as to, uh, for example, you know, does your child eat breakfast every day and, you know, who's around the child smokes and uh, how many fruits and vegetables are consumed by your child and how many days in a week does your child eat uh, uh, dessert and how many days in a week uh, does your child drink uh, sugary beverages, which is a large part of our uh, uh, population. So we kind of collect that, and uh, that gives us an idea where to where they are at. And based on that, we uh, um, tailor our uh, recommendations uh, with regards to optimizing lifestyle. The same thing with you know secondhand smoke exposure. It could be the parent, it could be the grandparent. But you know if they're not ready for change, uh, the first thing is to gather the information, and then perception is. Uh, uh, also very important, some kids who come to our clinic, I'm not even sure 
their parents are not even sure if they are overweight, uh, you know, where they are at in the yeah. growth chart. So it's really important to share the growth chart with the family and spend time in explaining the growth chart and see trends. Uh, we see some concerning trends at times. The kid who has average weight and rapidly gains weight, and uh, um, you know, it could be some circumstances. It could be stress. It could be uh, something else going on. But you know, understanding the growth chart is real important, and an accurate perception for by the parents as to what their child's weight status is is, is important in uh, helping uh, optimizing lifestyle change. Right. Well, I'm speaking with Dr. Geetha Raghavir. She is uh, from the Preventative Cardiology Clinic at Children's Mercy, Kansas City. Dr. Raghavir, thank you for the work that you're doing, and thanks for coming on the show. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics at Children's Mercy, Kansas City. For more information, you go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. Thanks for listening.